All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode two of the All Day Cincinnati Sports Podcast, guys. Um, in today's episode, we're going to talk about a few headlines. And later this week, we're going to have our Bengals game one preview for their showdown versus the Steelers this Sunday. But for today, guys, we're going to talk about UC football's 31 to 24 loss to number 16, Arkansas. We're going to talk about Xavier landing a four-star small forward recruit in the class of 2023, which put Xavier's recruiting class at number 10, I believe, on 24-7 sports now, mm-hmm. cracking the top 10. Um, we're going to talk about some red standouts this week, some of the young guys who are hitting and hitting their stride right now and could be potential starters next year, and the exciting debut of one of the Reds' top pop prospects, Spencer Steer. And uh, lastly, we're going to finish it off talking a little Bengals talk, talking about what the return of Jesse Bates to the active roster can mean to this team, and just, yeah, some things to look forward to with Jesse Bates. But, um, yeah, let's get right into it. Okay, you see, as we know, went into Arkansas this weekend and took the L, 31-24. to um, I didn't get to catch much of this game. I watched the highlights, and I watched the fourth quarter and everything because I was out of town. So, Donnie, can you give me some of your thoughts on this game? I thought, I mean, it, they looked much better in the second half, I think, or at least heading into halftime. I thought things started to click a little more. I'd be encouraged after the second half performance, but man, it is just, it's tough to rebound when you start that bad. I mean, Bryant, I saw a lot of people on social media not happy. Um, I can see why. It, it was just a really rough start for them. He did finish with two touchdowns and 325 yards, and Kiner looked good on the ground, you know, five yards carrying a touchdown, but. You just can't start like that against the top 25 team from the SEC on the road and come out with that victory. The fact that they made it as close as they did is encouraging. But obviously, you can't go undefeated now. Um, You probably don't get the respect you were hoping to gain from the game. And it's just kind of on to the next one and hope that that second half is the sign of things to come. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on this. UC now has to kind of take this loss and just like reassess themselves and be like, look, we're not making the playoff this year now because you got to go undefeated in the AAC, playing in the AAC if you want to make the playoff again. That's not happening anymore. They already took a took a loss, and that's just not happening anymore. But you can still finish out, go 11-1, and one, have a great season, win the conference, you know, make a BCS Bowl still. You can still make, make a great season out of this. And I think they need to just regroup and not lose confidence and not lose motivation and just uh, rally the team together and make sure everybody's on the same page. Like, we can still have a great season here and not just be disappointed thinking we lost one game. Oh, well, we're not making the playoff. Only four teams make the playoff every year. Not every other team's year is just a waste if you don't make the college football playoff. Right, and I think it was a little bit of an awakening, too. Like, they lost a ton of NFL talent. Like, Sauce Gardner, top five pick. Desmond Ritter was a second-round pick. Majai Sanders was a high pick. Curtis Brooks got taken in the sixth round, and that's just that's not even half the guys that got taken for them. And it showed, I mean, especially defensively, like KJ Jefferson, man, Arkansas's quarterback, had a combined almost 300 yards between passing and running, and he had four total touchdowns. He single handedly had as many points as UC did. It's just they lost so much talent defensively, too. It really showed up. And it just, you have to regroup, like you said. Um, 
but this at least gives you a way to 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 break down the film and, and see what you look like against another quality opponent and how to adjust to life without those guys. That's it. Because they lost all those guys, man. <laughs> a lot. No, yeah. UC definitely lost a lot of talent this year, and they knew they were going to have to reload and um, fill some holes on their team and everything. But um, what I will say about them is Bryant, yeah, from what I saw, he looked comfortable in the second half. He looked like he played solid. But I just feel like Prater has a lot more upside at quarterback for them, and I just want to see what he could do. I, I understand he lost the, the quarterback battle and everything, but I'm interested to see how close that battle was and how big of a leash Bryant's on. I want to see if, like, if Bryant has another bad half, if Prater's going in. But, like, I, I'm interested to see that. Oh, yeah, because – I agree that Prater probably has higher upside and starting him off. If he's, if he wasn't more ready, like he may have more potential, but if he's not better right now, you really couldn't start him against a team like Arkansas, yeah. especially on the road. Um, but now maybe you're rolling into an easier portion of your schedule. So maybe you try. Kennesaw you, State. Yeah. Kennesaw next. State next, <laughs> Miami, Ohio after that. Maybe you you try Evan Prater these next two games and see what you can do. Yeah, I mean Miami's no slouch though. They, I mean Kentucky beat them pretty pretty well, but Miami's actually they got some talent. They got Blaine Gabbert's young <laughs> younger brother at QB. <laughs> they got a little bit of talent on that team, but yeah, they got easier yeah. schedule. I'm looking at now Kennesaw State and Miami until they play Indiana, which will be a tough test for them. But, yeah, they just need to regroup, gain some confidence back. They're still in the AAC. They're still not going to play that many great teams until they move to the Big 12. So um, they just need to win who's in front of them on their schedule and see what happens at the end of the year and not just focus on one loss to start the season. Agreed. Agreed with that. All right. That's that's all we're going to talk UC football this week. We'll cover their game next week uh, against Kennesaw State after that happens. But, uh, yeah, that's all we're going to talk about uh, with them for this week. Next up on the schedule, we're going to talk about Xavier landing four-star recruit Dalen Swain, a six-foot-six, 170-pound uh, small forward in the class of 2023. Donnie, can you give me some thoughts on him? Well, I guess um, the the staff really tried to pitch to him that he could be like their Dalen Terry. You know, just got taken top 20 right in the NBA draft. And look at his highlights. You can see it, man. You can see the similarities. You know, six six, lanky. He's got good athleticism, but he can handle the ball. He's got good passing ability. He didn't really get to show it in AAU because he was the third best player on his team, so he had to more of a role player kind of guy. But I know when he visited the the campus with his high school team, the staff really liked him. Really liked the skill set he showed, and I think this. This is a great add to Xavier's recruiting class. I mean, his skill set doesn't really overlap with the other two commits, Trey Green and Reed Ducharme. So it's another versatility. Or it's another piece. He's got good versatility. And he's going to fit really well in a lot of different lineups. You can mix and match him with a, with a bunch of different players. I really like this signing, actually, for Xavier. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. The one thing I will say is I definitely think he projects more as a shooting guard like going forward in the future because he's only one I know he he can put on weight and stuff but still a buck 70 at 6 foot 6 is skinny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> skinny. 
Because <laughs> I, 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 I could tell I was I was one seventy when I was a senior in high school, and I, I'm six two, and I was I was skinny. So <laughs> one seventy <170 laughs> at six six, that's that's pretty slim right there. So oh, yeah. I definitely think he think he's going to project more as a shooting guard uh, as he goes up levels and everything. But uh, yeah, mm -hmm. like you said, he seems like a really versatile player from what I got to watch of him. Um, Dale and Terry, that's actually a really solid comparison. He can do a little bit of everything, a little bit of a Swiss Army knife. Um, not super polished in one area of his game right now, but lots of potential there and could end up being a star for the Musketeers for years to come. Oh, yeah. he He's probably going to need some time. I don't think he'll make an instant impact. Like, he might need a year or two. I think he'll he'll find rotation, and it's probably as a freshman, but he won't be a guy who's pushing for starting minutes. And like you said, he needs to add weight. But yeah, I, I really like the long-term outlook of this guy. I think he, he could be really, really, really good. Yeah, I'm with you there. It, it, it's like, um, he, yeah, like you said, rotation meant as a freshman. Yeah, to me, he doesn't seem like somebody who's going to come in and win freshman of the year in the Big East. That doesn't seem like that's going to happen for him. But right. it does seem like he's going to be a really good player um in his junior year senior year if he stays all four years and everything because he has the toolbox to do it if he puts on some weight it's going to be really scary and his his game just really translates to, uh to the college game for sure yeah the the polish on it i think is what's really going to help him he already seems like he's got certain skills that are just going to be that are just automatically going to translate whether everything else does or not he should have enough that'll translate to give him a role, no matter how high he he goes in his his overall game. Yep, yep, I'm with you there. So, uh, yeah, that's what we got to say uh, about Xavier's new commit. Um, and yeah, let's let's get right into the Reds now. Talk a little Reds. Uh, the Reds did win the series this weekend, two games to one over the Colorado Rockies. They won on Friday night, Saturday night was postponed, and then Sunday night they lost the first of the doubleheader, won the second, led by Aristides Aquino Grand Slam, which he thought was a pop-up <laughs> at first, but, you know, <laughs> the ball got out. So, yeah, Reds won that game, I believe. Was it 10 nothing final? I didn't watch the yeah. last little bit of it. It was 10 nothing yeah. when I turned it off. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, um, TJ Friedel, Jake Fraley, and Jonathan India continue their hot-hitting uh, TJ Friedel, uh, afterthought in the Reds minor league system, um, who has just come up and just mashed baseball since he's uh, come back up for the Reds. He's up, he's up to five home runs since he's got called back up. I believe he's only at like 60 plate appearances since he got called back up. And that's some power we didn't really know would translate with him. You know, he was raking in AAA, but, you know, Aquino hits literally yeah. just every <laughs> – destroys AAA, so that doesn't mean as much all the time. But Friedel's looking like a player who could honestly be a starter for this team next year, and he's not too old still. Like, he could just be a late bloomer. He's only 27, so people bloom like that at that age all the time in baseball. You know, Mike Yastrzemski, an example, a couple years ago, he was 30. So people bloom like that right. all the time in baseball, and Friedel's looking like he could be not just an afterthought and not just a fifth outfielder. He's looking like he could actually make a push to be a starter next year the way he's playing. Yeah, I really like what he changed his stance when he went back down to AAA from the looks of it. Yep. And it's just totally different guy. Like, I mean, like you said, the last, the last what, month or so, he's hitting 400 with a, a 1265 OPS. I mean, 
yeah. he, it's just insane. Like the difference it can make. He's got five home runs since he came back up, 12 RBIs. He's, he's walked three times. He struck out five. And that, it really seems like that stance change made all the difference for him. If he could keep this up, I mean, he's an above average hitter. If he can keep this up, oh, somebody you definitely sure. feel comfortable starting. And he's a pest on the bases. He steals bags. He has the yeah, most stolen bases on the Reds, I believe. He's only been on the Reds yeah. two months of the whole year. Yeah. I mean, and he's only got six on the year. So, like, that probably says more about the Reds. No, <laughs> but we would like to believe. <laughs> but but still, every yeah. day, every day time, that's probably 30 bags in a season, which. Oh, yeah. That's in today's day and age, that's a lot because nobody steals anymore. So. Right. That's. It's just impressive what he's been able to do since he came back up. It'll, I'll be watching definitely to see if he can keep this up through the end of the year. Uh, next player I want to talk about is Jake Fraley. He had a home run, I believe in Friday night's game was his home run. Um, he's still continuing to rake uh, since he's been not recalled from AAA. Well, kind of recalled from AAA as he was on a rehab assignment, but he was injured most of the season. He's a player that was kind of looking at like fourth to fifth outfielder time, but he's fighting for like last starting outfielder position too because he's really playing well and really making a case for himself as well. Right, yeah. And, I mean, he's his batting average is up, what, 35 points from last year? I mean, he's clearly made some strides. His OPS is up, I know that much. And he's only got, what was it? He's only got one less home run and like 100 less plate appearances from last year he's he's also older like he's 27 too but man if if i feel comfortable if having him as a platoon role if he if he's going to keep playing like this he mashes righties he just can't hit a lefty to save his life yeah (laughs) the anti-winker yeah (laughs) but he i i like i like his potential too like he could he could be a good piece on on the next Reds playoff team, I think. Uh, agreed. He could be a Naquin. He could be Naquin for us, is what I see him as. He could be Naquin for us for sure. He could hit twenty home runs in three hundred and fifty at bats a season or so. Plays a hundred games, you know. Just yeah. when when a righty's on the hill, he'll rake. But don't don't have him in against lefties. But <laughs> <laughs> and what I love about him is how much he walks. I just I love his plate discipline. I'm really high yeah. on guys with like Spencer Steer, who we're going to talk about in a minute, and Jonathan India and Joey Votto. I love players that walk. Um, it, it's something really irritates me about watching somebody who just gets fooled pitch after pitch and swings at awful pitches. I just I really enjoy watching batters that come up to the plate with a plan, and they're not just going to swing at awful pitches, and they're willing to take a walk because the walk is not the sexy play. It's not what you want to see, but it's just as good a hit. It really is. Right. And that was part of what was so frustrating to watch Barrero for a while is just chasing slider after slider after slider. Yeah. But Fraley, he's cut down on his strikeouts this year. His walk rate's down a little bit too, but it's still above league average. He's got, even if he's not, you know, an everyday player, or even if he regresses a little bit and he's not quite a platoon guy, he's still somebody you probably want to keep around for these younger guys to help them with their approach, to help them understand what they should be looking for as somebody who's seen it. So I really, I, I enjoy the fact that he's figuring this out. So, cause I think he provides value either way. If, as long as he can stick up 
in the majors. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And um, next guy let's talk about here is uh, let's talk about Jonathan India, uh, the rookie of the year from last season. He got off to a slow start this year as he kept getting consistently, uh, continuously injured, just nagging in injuries with the hamstring, ankle, just a bunch of nagging injuries. But uh, since he's uh, since about the last month, he's raking now. He has his average up back up to 265, I believe. OPS at 748, so just about league average on the OPS there. Um, mm -hmm. His power has been back as of late, and he's just really hitting the ball. He's getting multi-hit games nearly every game, and it's just good to see because he's a main corner piece of this franchise's future, definitely. And we need to see him – can, we need to see what we saw last year going into the rest of this year so that we know going forward this guy's a future all-star just every year. Yeah, I'll agree. Um, I just love watching him play. He's just – he plays so hard and he's tough as nails. Like almost so much that I don't care about the stats really with him. But, I mean, the stats, like you said, are really, really good. According to baseball references, last 28 dates, he's got – 311 batting average with an 867 OPS. He's hit a couple homers. He's got eight RBIs. He's he's just he's like you said, his power's back. He's seeing the ball better. He finally got into a groove. He's he's still had a couple injuries. They've just not been bad enough to keep him out of the lineup. But man, it's after his slow start. I don't know that people were worried, but man, it's nice to see him get back to the level he was last year. Yeah, I'm with you, and uh, yeah, like you said, just nice to see him play like he did last year because I love Jonathan Endy. He's definitely one of my favorite players. Once Vado retires, he'll probably be my favorite player as long as he's still a red, and uh, it, it's just nice to see, and that's really all we need to go over with him. He's a great player. Everybody knows about Jonathan India. I really <laughs> did want to touch on a few, a few guys, though, that haven't played great, and I just want to know your thoughts and talk a little bit about, like, do you think they'll still even be on the team next year? And the first guy is the former number two overall pick and number two overall prospect in baseball, Nick Senzel. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on him, Donnie? Like the power just seems like it's gone. He had that like three-week stretch yeah. where he was batting like 450 and everybody was like, oh, shit, Nick Senzel's Nick Senzel again. But since I, then, it's just been a struggle again, and he's just a singles hitter at this point right now. Yeah, like I really don't know what happened with him. Like I just Where's the power? He hit it. He hit at every single level. He was a, a strong hitter in college, strong hitter all the way up through AAA. And then, you know, he just gets hurt and as a hundred Don, here, Donnie. Donnie, your uh, audio cut out for a second there, sorry. All right. Um well <laughs> I just I don't know what happened to him. Like you said, the power's gone. He's just a single hitter now. Like his slugging percentage is in the last two weeks, it's not even above his on base percentage. Like that is <laughs> that's <so> rare. <laughs> He's I mean, over the course of the last month too, like it's just and on the season, his on base percentage is only eight points lower than his slugging. Like man just cannot generate any power and i he, i don't think he gets it back at this point because he's the same age as as fraley and friedel right like they're all yeah 27. he's 27 yeah i just don't know where it comes from <laughs> like i don't know I, what happened to him the defense hasn't really been great either 
which is something he could hang his hat on. I just, I don't know, 100 total bases and 331 at-bats is just, that's not good hitting. No. I think uh, I think the Reds this year need to just keep giving him his consistent at-bats, just see if he can somehow just connect the dots because we have nothing to lose at this point this year. He needs he still has more potential than some guys, so you need to just give him his at-bats the rest of the year. And when it comes to next year, for me, I think Senzel will still be on the team. I think he needs to just be in a super utility role for next year too because we're probably not going to be great next year either. Mm -hmm. Still give him his at-bats, but I don't think he's going to be the everyday center fielder next year. I think he'll be more of a Kyle Farmer but outfield too. Like he'll play third, he'll play second base if he has to, and he'll play all the outfield positions. Yeah, and I think part of his role could depend on what they decide to do with Matt McClain too because they've yep. been super aggressive with McLean in the minors. So if they decide to move him to center field, give him a shot out there, maybe that spells the end for Senzel. Maybe he is the, the super utility guy, or maybe they just decide to cut bait, trade him. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you never know. Like like I said, if you have him at like next year, just give him at, some at-bats at least at the beginning of the year because I don't think McLean's going to start the season on the Reds. He might, mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't think he will unless he has a great, great camp. But – um. Yeah, I'd say Senzel get him as at bats, and you know if something clicks this off season and in spring training, and something clicks, and he just is a late bloomer, then that's great. But at this point, I don't think we need to bank on him as a future cornerstone of the cornerstone of this team, just not at all. Yeah, a couple years ago, I was like, no way, don't want to trade him. Think he's a legit, yeah, you know, everyday starter, possibly all star, and now it's like he's in the lineup. Yay. Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> Batten for fifth, <laughs> Nick Senzel, <laughs> with no power as our fifth hitter. That's great. And but, uh, he still leads the team in stolen bases, actually, with eight. <laughs> oh, he has eight. My bad. Yeah. Second he, is he, Tommy Pham, who's not even on the team anymore. <laughs> Hasn't been for a month. <laughs> Senzel even looks slow to me, like, compared to, like, he seems like he lost some speed, too. Like, he's bulked yeah. up a lot and has less power now that he weighs more. It doesn't make sense to me. And he's it slower because really – and he's slower, of course, because he's put on weight. That's just natural. Unless you're putting on right. pure muscle, that's going to happen. Right. I just It's so confounding, man. I don't know what to make of Sinzel's career like at all. Like Nothing no. makes sense. He had he power his rookie year. He had yeah. decent power his rookie year. And since then, since he's gotten hurt, he has no power anymore. And I don't know what happened. Yeah, it's just it's like the curious case of Nick Sinzel. Like That might require a whole deep dive to figure out what happened to him. Yeah, because I feel bad for him too. Because he seems like a great oh, yeah. guy, and I feel I just feel for him. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I know the the pressure he has. He was the number two prospect in baseball, literally yeah. at one point behind Vlad yeah. Guerrero Jr. <laughs> right behind yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just it's just weird, man. Like the batting average for some reason never translated. Like I know he had vertigo and the injuries and all that early on, but it just I don't get it. I really don't. Yeah. I'm with you there. So th that that's it for Nick Senzel there. I have one other red that I want to touch on. The most polarizing player in baseball, I swear. <laughs> not not the most polarizing, but the most confusing because I I just see flashes. I'm like, this guy is could be so good in Aristides Aquino. And I know he's 28 still, like he's getting older. But, like, the guy leads the whole – or at least the National League in outfield assists. He – has only played like a third of the games. <laughs> like that is insane. It's just he's, and he can't hit. 
Yeah, it's just insane because I saw a question on Red's Twitter talking about if you could max out one Red's player's tool, what would you do? And somebody, I, I forget who it was, said, well, if you max out Aquino's hit tool, he's literally Barry Bonds, so I'll go with that. Literally, he'd be the best player in baseball. <laughs> if he could make contact, he just, he'd be the best player in baseball. Yeah, but he just can't hit a breaking ball. Like, he just can't. He's got ridiculous power. Like, he still has – he's got five home runs and 173 at-bats. Like, that's not a bad ratio. And it's horrible for, for has, him. And it's so it's bad for him. him. Yeah. Yeah. But he just – it's just <laughs> – I don't – he got off to such a hot start, and then people figured out he couldn't hit a breaking ball. And it's just he he never adjusted. I I think he, he's I he's think changed he's a valuable, the stance recently. Yeah, he did, and he's he had a couple of good games over the weekend for sure. Yeah. Um, but he's just you could just like hear here's how you hit a breaking ball and just let him go. Because the yeah. man would be an all-star easily, easily. He's okay. analytically He'd be the one best of the player best player baseball. Yeah, I mean, he's analytically arguably the best defensive outfielder in the league, and he's got seventy, seventy-five raw power. He just mashes fastballs. It's ridiculous, but he just can't hit a curve. That's it. Can't hit a curve, slider, none of that. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't. I don't really want the Reds to cut him because I still like feel feel like he's a valuable fourth outfielder, honestly, mm-hmm. just because of his arm alone. Like seriously, as a defensive substitute, you can't yeah. run on that guy. He has you a really cannon. He I've never seen somebody with a better arm. Like seriously, literally, yeah. and he's barely played. <laughs> yeah, he's, he has 173 like he's played a hundred and seventy three Yeah, he's played a third of the games and leads an outfield assist and has nineteen defensive runs saved. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's literally probably like one of the top five defensive outfielders in the league. Like seriously, <laughs> legitimately, it's. I just really wish. I, I like. I just wish he could hit a breaking ball, man. But like you said, I yeah. keep him on. I think he's a valuable bench piece to have. Yeah, I do like too. A, he, you're not gonna. He can't. He's not learning anything else in AAA. He's the he's the quintessential quadruple A guy, where he's way too good for AAA, but he's just not good enough for the majors like he should mm-hmm. but that's because, a valuable guy to have on your bench yeah and as much as people like are so frustrated with him because i see on twitter all the time people are like i'm tired of seeing rst as a keynote bat all that stuff as much as he frustrates me too the guy still is a valuable fourth or fifth outfielder for the team and to go along with that he he He's different. Like, I feel like we have, like, Almora, Reynolds. Like, I feel like a lot of these guys are the same player. They're going to bat 250. They're going to hit a home run one out of every 60 at-bats. And they're just going to be have an OPS of, like, 600. Aquino has the potential to do more. So, like, I would just – they have no potential. So, yeah. I would keep Aquino much more just for the chance. That's, that's all I'm saying because we're still not going anywhere yet. Yeah, and I think like he's valuable in those late game situations too, where like if you're facing a team where you know their relievers are overly relying on fastballs, say you stick him in there and you've got a decent chance. Or yeah, agreed. Need, or if you need to upgrade that defense in the late innings, stick him in there. Like he'll be fine. More you than just, fine on defense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just you just can't start him at this point unless you're you're really down bad with injuries. You just can't really start him anymore. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. I, I think he still has a chance to be on this team when they're good again as a fourth or fifth outfielder. 
Oh yeah. I really do think that. Yeah. Just because what he does best is so good. <laughs> Literally. And if he can connect with the ball, it's gonna go far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. But yeah, I, I think he's got a I think he's got a future on the team as long as that power stays, but once the power's gone, you can you can pretty much just cut him at that point. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And sorry for talking about the Reds so much here, but I have to touch on one guy real quick, one more, because we just haven't, since it's on our second episode, we haven't got to talk about all these things with the Reds yet. I want to talk about Jose Barrero just for a second. What, what are you thinking with him? Because I just, he really frustrates me watching him play sometimes. Yeah, I mean, if he could just refine his plate, his, approach at the plate it just it feels like he should be so much better than he is because defensively he's really really good at shortstop he's got the arm he's got the range he can time everything up but he chases so many pitches he's got the raw power he in the minors he had great bat to ball skills the contact was there but like the dude's jack too is huge yeah yeah. The dude's huge. But, yeah, I mean he's six two, one seventy five, but you wouldn't know it by looking at him. He is not one seventy five, I don't <laughs> think anymore. Not anymore, no, but that's what baseball yeah. reference has. Yeah, I, I, he's probably pushing two hundred pounds lean now. Yeah. But I mean that's a four thirty five OPS man, like that. Yeah, that's just horrific. That people yeah. People's one soda's on base percentage is almost as good, <laughs> and the dude's batting <laughs> like two forty. He just walks that much. Yeah, he just it's, like he sh- Barrero should be so much better than he is. It's just kind of it's frustrating. And Barrero slugging percentage by the or uh, soda slugging percentage is higher than Barrero's OPS okay. for what it's worth. Four sixty six. What's his on, what's his on base at? Four oh eight. So not too and far he's, off. And he's, and he's batting like 240-something. I know he's yeah. batting like 240-something. His own base is 408. Yeah, my thing with Barrera is he, he should still get all the at-bats the rest of the season, in my opinion. Like, just play him every day still. Just get him the reps, and hopefully it translates it's into this offseason. He learns from his mistakes. Next spring training, comes back a different player and has a great real rookie season, hopefully. But if that doesn't happen and he struggles out the gates next year, we got a load of shortstops. So <laughs> got yeah, De La Cruz, Marte, Matt McClain. We got lots. So we're fine. Arroyo. The shortstop. Yeah, Arroyo. Arroyo's yeah. a little young, but yeah. Yeah. But oh, I know you said India's probably gonna be your favorite after Vado retires, but De La Cruz might come charging hard for that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It, 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 when he's up, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But um Brack to Barrero, man. I just, like I said, he's got to stop chasing chasing sliders off the plate, man. Legitimately, that one pitch, I see him chase so often. Literally. <laughs> it's like Outside Jay Bruce away almost. slider. Yeah. But Jay and Bruce, Jay Bruce so, just did it less. He swung at a yeah. little less. <laughs> yeah. And Jay Bruce was so ridiculous with his other numbers that it didn't yeah. matter as much. But for, he's looked a little better lately with his approach. It's just now it's just the results got to come through. The process many, looks better. Do you know how many plate appearance what appearances was it before his first walk of the season? Oh god. It was something ridiculous. 
Yeah, it was it was bad. He's it was only like got, close to a hundred. It was close to like eighty or something. Yeah, he's only got he's got ninety seven abs and a hundred and one plate appearances. So that means he's he he has not walked yet this year. No, he's walked four times. No, this he year, sorry. Yeah, yeah, he's walked four times this year, but he struck They've out all been forty three times. Too. Yeah. Oh my gosh, his strikeout rate's over forty percent. Yeah. So like, yeah. And the amazing part is it's got it's it's lower the last two weeks. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was like fifty percent, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Legitimately. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah. It. It. He's he's just got to refine refine his approach. At least he does. When he first came up in like twenty twenty, he looked kind of overwhelmed by big league pitching. Yeah, he doesn't look overwhelmed anymore. Yeah, right. It's just he just can't not chase. So I still see think he has a lot of potential if he can get everything together there. But you got anything else to add about the Reds or anything you want to touch on? Uh, I think we're good on that. All right. Lastly, we want to talk about Jesse Bates uh, being added back to the active roster as they cut. Uh, I didn't. I forget who they cut from their uh, regular active roster, but they cut Thad Moss from the practice squad. Who they cut they from the active roster? They waived Alan George, but he cleared waivers. He's already on the practice squad. Okay. Okay. Well, Jesse Bates back on the active roster. Uh, what do you think that can mean for the Bengals, and how important is it to have one of their leaders back on the team? I mean, it seems like he was always going to be back. Like he would have turned down an offer that was what four times what he made the first portion his entire contract so it always felt like he was going to be back and having him back there like i a good safety for the defense can make sure everybody's in place they can see stuff before it happens they can help bark out everything because they're the they've got the best perspective and having a, a guy like Bates who's been through it for and was a key part of that run last year to be able to talk guys through the NFL experience. And maybe as they get into the playoffs, hopefully fingers crossed with injury luck, um, having a guy there who can help the young guys through that late season process into January and hopefully February, having him back there is just going to be enormous for guys like Dax Hill, Cam Taylor, Britt, even Alan George, if he has to be elevated back to the active roster. So he and he when he's on, he's arguably a top three safety in football when he's playing his best. He's a ball hawk. Yes, he's ridiculous <laughs> when he's playing his best. So having him back is just going to be to pair Bell and Axel now. That's just going to be ridiculous. Um, I don't. He was a captain last year, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, I was just yeah, because he's not a captain this year, so that's a, yeah, no, <laughs> that's, that's a little that, something there. Yeah, that's DJ Reader, I think, took his spot. Yeah, I was about to say Bates was a captain last year, I I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. I was just making sure there, but uh, yeah, like you said, Bates, um, he's a leader of that secondary. Uh, I know Von Bell is a, like is a captain on the team, but Bates has been there five years. I believe he's probably the longest tenured Bengal on the defense. Maybe Sam Hubbard came in the same year, I believe. But yeah, yeah. One, one him and those, him yeah. and Sam, yeah, him and Sam Hubbard. 
Um, Bates, like you said, is one of the most elite safeties in the league, especially with his ball skills. The dude just flat out knows how to be where the ball's coming and make plays when he's there. He just um, – he's not on all the time, not always 100% consistent, and that's why I think the Bengals didn't pay him yet right away. They probably yeah. want to see something this year and prove himself a little bit more and see what they got in Dax Hill. That's probably why the Bengals didn't pay him yet. But Probably. I think he's just going to make a tremendous uh, difference on that defense. He knows he knows the system, of course, with uh, by defense coordinator Lou Anaremo. And um, I just feel like he can be a key part of the Bengals making another run at the Super Bowl this year. Oh, for sure. And for what it's worth, he did come in the same year as uh, Sam Hubbard. So, like, if you want yeah. to go by draft time, technically Bates is the longest tenured. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> what round pick was Bates? Second? Bates was second. Hubbard was third. Okay. Yeah. Who was our first round pick that year? Billy Price. Oh. <laughs> At least they flipped him for BJ Hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, and they have to pay everybody. They do. Um, with Bates, so like seeing what they have, um, seeing if he can get back to that level this year. Maybe if they do decide they want to pay him this off season, but. I understand why ownership didn't want to to keep it. <clears throat> or didn't I, want to I, yeah, I get base. it too. That that money's a little ludicrous, and for the Brown family, football is their only business. They don't have any side ventures. They don't <clears throat> have any extra income. So with all that money, they're gonna have to tie up and burrow. I understand why they didn't want to give them top five safety money, even with the salary cap probably going to explode yeah. here in the next couple of years. Um, but I, I like, like you were talking about seeing what they've can do with him is going to be just this year, at least is going to be interesting for sure. Yeah. Like you said, not wanting to extend him right away, at least because of all the people they're going to have to pay. I mean, Burrow, they're going to have to give Burrow a bag. Yeah. Burrow's going to get a Mahomes contract. Like seriously. Yeah. I know on a, the Athletic Bengals show here, that podcast ground, when they were talking about Burrow getting $55, $60 million a year. With oh, for sure. Especially Mike, if the I, cap rises, he could get seventy. dollars <laughs> yeah. If it goes up. Yeah. And uh, uh, they were talking about Mike Brown loving that Mahomes-type structure of a deal. So Yeah. Could see something like that. Could see something like six years, 600 or something next offseason yeah. for him. I would love to see the Bengals do a Mahomes type, just lock him up for as long as you possibly can, and you don't got to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously. And, like, even even not just Burrow, you're going to have to pay Jamar Chase, top receiver in the league money. You're going to have to pay mm -hmm. T. Higgins just a little lower than that probably <laughs> yeah. if you want to keep Higgins too. And, and you're already paying Mixon top running back dollars already. So, yeah, you're just going to have to – you're going to have to pay a lot of these guys a lot of money. And we're going to see if they can do that and uh, keep everybody around for the years to come. Yeah, for sure. Then um, it hurts with a guy like Bates because they drafted him because we've seen him transform into what he is. But I don't know. I didn't like that deal for Minka Fitzpatrick, that hit extension he got. And Fitzpatrick, no. I think, is a better safety than Bates. And if Bates wants that number, I love Jesse Bates. I love watching him play. But that's why you drafted Dax Hill. <laughs> yeah. That's why you drafted and, him. Hey, but if Jesse Bates goes out there, first team all pro this year, shit, you got a decision to make then. Yeah. But Yeah, uh, yeah you would. But um, 
we'll see. He's been really up and down in his career. I think he can. I think he can play at that level for a whole season. I think he yeah. has that ability. I just don't know at that point the Bengals might be priced out of him. Yeah, his highs definitely outweigh his lows, but there are lows with him sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the highs definitely outweigh the lows overall. Like he's definitely better more often than he's not. Agreed. But um, yeah, you got anything else to say on the Bengals there, Donnie? No, that's all I got. All right, guys, this was episode two of the All Day Cincinnati Sports Podcast. I'm Parker Fields here, of course, always with Donnie Menke. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, guys, be on the lookout for another episode coming later this week. Uh, we'll be dropping it Friday, right? Yep, Friday morning. Yep, drop, yep, drop a new episode Friday where we will talk about the preview for the Steelers and Bengals game and maybe for, like, five minutes talk a little Reds, talk about what happened with their recent games. But um yeah guys that is all for this for or for the second episode of the podcast. Um be sure to listen on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe on YouTube if you're on YouTube. And um yeah guys, that is all and uh we'll see you on the next podcast. See you guys. Yeah. All right. Got to stop the recording. <laughs>